Yo, what's up, everybody? Artisan here, or Carlos, or whatever you know me as. Uh, happy Thanksgiving and all of that festivities stuff happening uh, right now, currently. Um, coming to you live from the crypto.com compound, as I phrased it last week. Um, the, the main influence for that came from the Courage and Nate Shot show and how they do their shows from the cash app compound although that's because cash app is their sponsor i am not sponsored by crypto.com i don't want to be um, don't talk to me about cryptocurrency and that kind of stuff um i i would like an actual sponsor though let me just say that now i am open to having a legitimate sponsor for this show and the ulterior platform altogether um i guess if i had to like make a choice of who it should be it should be starbucks because I would like to make back all of the money that I've given them over the years and especially the last few weeks that I have decided to just kind of take my little business here over to Starbucks and work on so many of what you guys see and hear over there. Um, so yeah, I guess this would be like the Starbucks compound somehow. Uh, I would need like a cool catchphrase or like not a catchphrase, but like, um, like a cool ad read because on the Courage and Nate show, the ad read for Cash App is just, if you don't use Cash App, then fuck you. So I would like something similar for Starbucks. Um, I, I don't know, like, um, press A to drink Starbucks, press B to scare the hose or something within that realm. It, it doesn't really matter. We've got time to work on it. Probably like plenty of time. I, I don't see the show getting any kind of mainstream sponsorship deal for an extraordinarily long time or maybe just I'll, I'll i'll never reach that point i don't know i'm very very cynical if y'all couldn't tell uh not a ton of optimism within my my membrane um so what is on this chapter this uh penultimate chapter yeah it is wow holy shit <laughs> okay um so uh, we're gonna look at singles from the likes of Silverstein, Shrezers, Riley, Varsity, Wolves at the Gate, a couple of others, and then new albums from three of the I want to say bigger bands right now that had records coming out in the fall. Those being Mayday Parade, Between You and Me, and Volumes. So yeah, thanks everyone. Enjoy this chapter. There was something so euphoric about being able to watch G4 in a modern setting. Um, G4 was a pretty big part of my childhood. And by that, I literally just mean X-Play and Attack of the Show. But like, you know, I, like I could just sit down when I was younger and this giant video game fanatic and just uh, absorb everything that those two shows were offering and I, I was sitting in my living room last Thursday, I think it was, and I was watching Attack of the Show on my phone on Twitch, and I just thought like, man, this is really, really, really fucking cool, and, um, you know, I, I, I don't really think I realized that, like, 
Attack of the Show and X-Play being the mediums that they are probably had some inspiration in me eventually wanting to develop a platform like Ulterior where I can just, you know, speak freely and have like this creative freedom to go in whatever direction I want to with something that is like at its core entertainment based. And I, I, I think at the end of the day, that's what I want to come across as more than just like a podcaster or a reviewer. I want to be seen as an entertainer. And I don't know if that's really what's happening right now. I don't know if anybody like listens to this show and think that I am entertaining or captivating or charismatic in any way, but that's kind of the long-term goal, I would say, is to have Ulterior be something of a proper entertainment medium. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I wanted to say as like an intro before getting into uh, some singles, and we're going to do that right now. The first being the number one song in Scenic Overlook last week, and thus entering into the top 100 songs of the year list, which is going to take shape and be put out into the world in two weeks time holy fuck that is crazy and scary but it's what's happening so we're going to go with it anyways um but yeah brand new silverstein single called it's over i've mentioned this before in recent weeks when covering bands like Circus Survive and Every Time I Die, uh, Silverstein is a legacy act, and they are one of those bands that, if you've gotten into the scene at any single point over the last, like, 15, 16, 17 years, you've come across them at some point. You know who they are, you know a song or two, or a couple, or all of them. Um, they're just, like, that definitive of where we are as a scene and where we have been for a really, really long time. Um, I, I'm sure there will come a day where I get to like dive deeper into the entire history of Silverstein. What I will say is that I don't believe they have been a perfect band all this time. I, I look at their discography and I think, um, this is how the wind shifts and I am alive and everything I touch were kind of mostly missteps on their part, but from Dead Reflection onwards and then into A Beautiful Place to Drown from 2020, they are at the top of their game yet again. And a song like It's Over shows me that Silverstein, they've got the fucking fastball whenever they want to. Like, it, it doesn't matter how old they are at this point. It doesn't matter how long they've been in the scene. When they want to be one of the best bands in this entire weird fucking scene, they can do it at the fucking click of their fingers. Genuinely. It's Over is so just catchy and it's powerful and it really carries over a lot of what I loved about A Beautiful Place to Drown. Um, it reminds me a lot of my favorite song on that record, which was Where Are You? It, just that like straightforward structure to it. There's nothing like really um, chaotic about the way the song sounds or there aren't really any chances taken. But even when Silverstein kind of like stick to a formula and remain within a bubble with a song, they still eclipse so many other bands in the scene. It's fucking crazy to think that they've been at this for as long as they have and they are still just as good as they've ever been. To go from Silverstein, a legacy act, to a relatively newer band, um, I want to talk about Shrezzers, because I think they are one of the most promising acts in all of alternative music right now. Uh, whenever they do something, it, it's kind of like a, it's an event for me personally, 
and we got a brand new single from them last Friday called UVB 76, which features CJ McMahon from Thy Art is Murder. On paper, this feature is really fucking strange, just given the nature, or rather the difference in nature between Shrezzers and Thy Art is Murder. Shrezzers is a, like, progressive metal slash post-hardcore band, whereas Thy Art is Murder is deathcore. But I guess to be fair, Shrezzers had a song back in, I think it was February of this year, uh, it was called Demure, and it featured Lucas Magyar from Veil of Maya, which is another strange combo on paper but then the execution of that song worked really really well i thought and the same thing applies to uvb 76 um everything that i look for in a treasures track is present here a, a very just unorthodox and quirky structure to the instrumentation and you never really feel like you have a moment to catch your breath and at the same time you never know what's going to come next because it's like okay here's some fucking insane deathcore vocals here is this really really enchanting clean chorus oh fuck saxophones are here too like everything is in this bitch and again that's is that's like precisely what i look for whenever i go to shrezzers for something new um this song is excellent i god i i really wish more people knew about shrezzers i really really wish like they didn't qualify for the term underrated or like underappreciated but I, I think all it takes is for more people to know about them. And then once that happens, like, you know, everything will work out for Shrezzers. And, you know, I, I don't see how that's not going to be the case when they have singles like Demure and now UVB76. And then last year there was Phoenix. Like, this band is on a fucking stellar singles run. And I can only just hope and pray and plead and beg that the end result of all this will be a record in 2022. I, I, I need that shit like I need Air Dog. I fucking need the new Shrezzers release. Riley, who I personally believe is one of the more promising artists in the emo hip hop scene currently, he just signed with Thriller Records, and along with that came the brand new single, Call It When You Want. I, I know I said emo hip-hop, but I think with Call It When You Want, there is this, like, pop exuberance that you could hear on Riley's record from last year, Los Angeles, but with this single, it's shining in a way that it, it kind of makes me, like, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, proud, because I knew Riley had this in him. I knew Riley could do something akin to a song like Call It When You Want, and I I guess selfishly, I wish like he had done this when there were more eyes on him and ears, because there's definitely like not enough people out there listening to Riley, at least not like to the caliber that uh, the quality of his material warrants. Um, but I I suppose it makes sense to like just come out on Thriller Records with this being like the lead single for his tenure on that label and maybe the lead single to whatever his next like extended endeavor is going to be uh call it when you want it is just so 
Kakshi and the hook has no right to work as well as it does. And then like, um, while well, talking about with like that pop influence on it, like the synth behind the chorus, the electronic elements really, really elevate this song to another level. I think Riley is just one of those talents that like you really have to go out of your way to check out for yourself. If you haven't already, he's like, like he's up there, man. He's in a perfect world. Riley would have next when it comes to who from the like emo scene is poised to break out. But you know, I guess for right now, all I can hope is that call it when you want does what a song of this magnitude should. So to stick with the scene that Riley encompasses right now, I want to talk about somebody who I don't think I've ever mentioned his name on this show before outside of like when, when I do the rundown of singles that I didn't go in depth on. Uh, and that would be Leto, who just dropped a brand new single called Rerun. I just want to say that the music video for Rerun starts with a woman hitting Leto over the head with a with like a beer bottle and I I feel that I, I I get it and I appreciate it um I don't appreciate being hit with a bottle I just appreciate the um the, the way that I can relate to this what, whatever fuck you uh not you the listener fuck somebody else um I have a lot of issues don't I uh Rerun this song fucking rules um so Lado, he definitely ventures into like more hip-hop territory with the verses and then once you get to the chorus it explodes in this alternative manner that i don't want to say it's like pop punk or even like alternative rock it just kind of feels something like special to Lado and unique to Lado in that manner and it's so catchy so infectious um I, I think with this song, I had it at like, it, it was in the back half of Scenic Overlook. It might have been number 10, honestly. And I, I don't know about that anymore. This song is growing on me, like in a way that I didn't expect it to. Because even back when I knew I liked it, I somehow like it even more now. And I, I listen to a song like Rerun and I just think like, you know, similarly, similarly to what I said about Riley... Like, Lado needs more people paying attention to this shit because he is an outstanding talent in the scene that I think is not getting that recognition. And I just hope more people come around on him and even discover him in the first place. I don't know for sure, but I, I believe I'm right in saying that last Friday, November 19th, was supposed to be the release of the brand new Varsity record. The name of the album is slipping my mind. Let me go ahead and just check it real quick. Um, uh, yeah, so the album Welcome Home, it was supposed to be out November 19th. I think it's out in January now, uh, January 21st. So I, I guess to make up for the sing or the record not being out last Friday, we went ahead and got a brand new single from Varsity called Soul. There was a lot of really, really interesting stuff happening with Soul, and I, I feel like that's apparent from the moment you press play on the track because you're greeted with this snare drum that 
it, it feels like Western in a way. It has like that kind of a vibe to it. And mixing that with the amalgamation that Varsity already had of metalcore with R&B, similarly to like what Issues were doing, you get this really, really interesting track. I don't think I've heard anything this year that sounds like Soul. And when I think back to the other singles that Varsity have dropped the last few weeks, I would say like even those kind of exist in their own little world, their own little realm. And what what Soul primarily did, aside from give me a really dope track to listen to over the weekend, was just kind of bum me out over the fact that we didn't get the full record Welcome Home last Friday, and now it's going to take, like, you know, roughly around two months at this point to get the record in hand. But regardless, I look forward to it in January, and yeah, if you're not on the varsity train yet, fucking find your way there, because this band rips. We got the announcement of a brand new Animals as Leader record. It is called Parisia and is going to drop on March 25th. Uh, so along with that came a lead single, or not a lead single, but a new single to coincide with that, The Problem of Other Minds. The actual lead single for this would have been Monomyth, which dropped back at the beginning or middle of September, I think it was. Um, and the problem of uh, the problem of other minds, it achieves everything that I could possibly ask for from an Animals as Leader song. It, it it's so chaotic all throughout the the track's runtime, but there are moments where that chaos is like, um, like masked as just beauty, and it feels and sounds so enchanting. And then there are moments where that chaos feels so destructive and like on the brink of just this dystopian society. I know that's a weird way to describe it, but like just the way that everything comes together, um, you know, drums, guitar, bass, it's like these, um, different elements to animals as leaders, they coincide with each other. And like, granted, yeah, no shit. That's what instrumentals are supposed to do. But the way that this band can execute everything that they sent set out to and they want to, it it's so fucking astonishing to think that there are even people out there who are capable of playing their instruments to this uh, effect and with this kind of um. What I was trying to say was like the way that they play their instruments, it commands respect and not only respect but like attention and admiration. And I'm just rambling now, but uh, the problem of other minds is one of the like biggest trips I've been taken on with music in recent memory and like man this is gonna fucking deliver as a record animals as leaders are one of the best instrumental bands out there and if instrumental music and more specifically specifically like prog metal instrumental if that sounds like something that you can get into if you're not already fucking with animals as leaders Give this song a chance, give Monomyth a chance, give anything from their catalog a chance, and just be ready for the record in March. The final single that I will be talking about in detail for this chapter comes from Wolves at the Gate, and they do have a new record called Eulogies that drops on March 11th, I think that's the date. Um, however, this new single is not attached to that, it is actually a standalone single for Christmas. And it is called Lowborn. Well, 
just to establish this point now, uh, Wolves at the Gate is a Christian band. So for Lowborn to be a Christmas-themed song, that should tell you like what direction it steers into lyrically. And, you know, that that is going to be for some people. It won't be for others. I'm personally not going to get into any kind of religious discussion on this show. But, yeah, just like putting that out there now. Uh, lyrically, some people will be able to uh, relate to it and attach themselves to it. And then others won't. And that's perfectly fine. You know, uh, freedom of choice. Everybody's allowed to believe in what they want to or not believe in what they want to. Um, from, from a pure, like, musical and sonic standpoint, Lowborn is just another instance of Wolves at the Gate kind of proving themselves to not just everybody out there, but also me, like how fucking good and talented they are. I, I love Wolves at the Gate. Wolves at the Gate. I can't even say their fucking name. I love Wolves at the Gate and I've expressed that on this show before, but even I can admit like I probably don't give them the same amount of respect that I do other bands out there who I would say I love just as much as them. And with Wolves at the Gate, I look at Lowborn and like, okay, this is really fucking cool. It's not attached to eulogies, but, you know, hearing something of this quality, I have no doubt that they're on the right track with, track with eulogies. I'm having such a fucking terrible time talking. What the hell, man? Um, they're on the right track with eulogies, and this is a band that is poised to do a lot of big things in 2022. So now I will just briefly mention the other singles from last week that I said I liked on social media. Me 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 by 100 Gex. Like the Wind by As Within So Without. I Do It To Myself by Breathe Carolina. Sorry I'm Not Dead by Dead Posey. Evergreen by Fault Lines. Prick by Glaive. Damaged Art by Hidden Figures featuring Ricky Armolino. Never Been Hurt by Corella featuring... Buse? Bees? I actually didn't check how to pronounce that. I apologize. Um, Waste of Breath by Like Pacific. I See Ya by Shaolin G. Slow Boda by Siamese. Sober by Smart Death featuring Lil Aaron, Lil Lotus, and Boyfriends. Give Up the Ghost by The Amity Affliction. Staring at the Wall by The Dooms. Until I Come Home by Two Feet featuring Grandson. Scratch Card Feeling by Wargasm. And I actually realized I fucked up the graphic. What the hell? Hold on. Okay, so the graphics I posted to social media about these singles, I listed Slow Boda by Siamese twice. And that is completely my fucking bad. Um, the single that is missing from that lineup is Flip a Switch by Tilly, which I did like. So, you know, that was my mistake. My bad. I fucked up. I apologize. Um... And yeah, I liked every single from last Friday and, or last week rather. And yeah, I once again do not apologize for saying I like everything and enjoying music. I just, you know, I don't really have like that kind of anger or aggression or like that need to be overly critical within me. I just, I like what I like, dude. And that's just going to be that. So now we'll get into some records and it was three albums last week. But they were three of the bigger records for this fall season, I would say. And there were two that I rated 10 out of 10, and I still do believe that they're perfect. I'm going to start with one of those and then get into the other record that kind of lies on the outside of that. And then finish off with another 10 out of 10 record to close out the chapter. And 
So I want to get into the brand new release out of Between You and Me called Armageddon. Before completely diving into the material on Armageddon, I do want to point out something that I wasn't necessarily aware of until Marcos from the State of the Scene had pointed it out, and other people did, and then eventually the band did as well, and that being the complete lack of respect shown for Between You and Me by Hopeless Records, which is their own fucking label. So, I went to Hopeless's Twitter page, and I searched the term Armageddon on their account. Since the beginning of October, so between the beginning of October and then when this record dropped last Friday, November 19, they tweeted about Armageddon six times. That's it. No, f uh, like, they, they didn't go out of their way to promote this fucking record. They just, it was like they didn't care. And I, there's no reason for me as a, a consumer, as a fan of Between You and Me to have put in more work and effort to promote their new record than their own goddamn label. But that's, that's how it feels. That's like kind of what my reaction to all this is. And I'm just like, what the fuck are they doing? Hopeless record, I mean, like, you know, you have a roster for a reason. You have bands on your label for a reason. Promote their shit. Let people know that this shit is dropping because without that, like, you know, all of the effort and the work put in by Between You and Me, it could ultimately be for nothing if you as a label are not doing what you're supposed to to get as many eyes and ears on this project as possible. And like, I just, it, it genuinely makes me angry because it's like, you know, myself and others like we should not be doing the promotion and the marketing for these bands ourselves that's your fucking job as a label and i'm gonna get off of this topic now because i don't even want like a marginal percentage of this review to be about the complete shit show by hopeless i just needed to get that out there you know fuck hopeless records all my homies hate hopeless records they absolutely could have done better and to the credit of between you and me they called them out publicly on that shit um I think they quote tweeted Hopeless promoting the record last Friday and they said something along the lines of like, oh, you could have carried your weight a little bit more or whatever they said. And then the vocalist Jake Wilson had actually responded to somebody about the the evolution of the lyrics to the song Goldfish, which I will get into soon. And kind of how, you know, you can look at that as being about Hopeless Records now. And yeah, I just, you know... This band needs to be on a label that shows him respect. And the reason why I'm speaking so passionately about that is because of something that I'm going to go ahead and say this now. Like, this is probably what I should be closing the review with, but I'm going to actually start it on this note. Armageddon is one of the best pop punk records I have heard in the modern era. Like, after my second or third listen through of Armageddon, I was going through pop punk records in my head and thinking like, when was the last time I felt this strongly in favor of a pop punk record like a through and through pop punk record and what i ended up figuring out was like it's probably best intentions by we are the in crowd which is 10 years old already 
And I've listened to pretty much everything, I would honestly venture to guess. So, like, State Champs, Neck Deep, The Story So Far, The Wonder Years, um, you know, whatever other major pop-punk bands are out there. I have consumed all of their material over that 10-year frame since Best Intentions. And the way that Armageddon not only, like, stands its ground against all of those projects, but eclipses them is something that, coming into 2021, I don't know if I would have imagined being the case. Because the band had a an album back in 2018 called Everything is Temporary, and I thought it was good. Not great, just good. Showed a lot of promise. But I want to go back a little bit before Everything is Temporary and talk about a single from 2017 called Overthinking for a second. Because Overthinking was where I discovered Between You and Me, and that is like still to this day one of the best songs I've ever listened to from not just pop punk, but like any genre across the scene and across any other scene for that matter. Overthinking was my first like real instance of listening to Between You and Me and thinking, there's something here. This band is absolutely fucking outstanding. And with everything is temporary, I didn't think that they capitalized on everything I believe they could be, but the potential was still there. And then we go into June of this year, and they released the single Supervillain, which is on Armageddon. It was a standalone back then, though. And I remember hearing Supervillain, and... Okay, let me put this into perspective. That song dropped the same week as the Eat EP by Poppy. Poppy is one of my favorite artists of all time, and... Eat has some of the cool songs I've heard this year on it. Overall, it is, in my opinion, one of the best releases from the scene. I gave Supervillain number one in Scenic Overlook that, uh, that week. Because that was how strongly I felt in favor of that track. I, um, I, like, I, I don't want to say, like, it was surprising that it was that good. Because I knew Between You and Me could do something that incredible. It was just so, like, satisfying and, I guess, rewarding to, like, be proven right in that sense about what I believed they had the capabilities of becoming someday. Supervillain was followed up with uh, Deadbeat as the second single. Deadbeat, I like a lot. I'm saying that now. I really, really like Deadbeat. I'm also acknowledging that I think it is one of the weaker tracks on Armageddon. And it's in the same vein as when I said... Holy Roller was my least favorite song from Eternal Blue by Spirit Box. Acknowledging that Holy Roller is one of the best metalcore songs I've ever heard. Deadbeat is an outstanding song. I love it. But the quality of everything else is just like out of this world. Deadbeat would have been the best song on so many other bands records. Yet it is like in the bottom echelon for Armageddon. And I can't express just how like crazy that is for me to believe. And then Butterflies came in as the third single. I have a lot of things that I want to say about Butterflies. I think there will come a time later on when I can do that. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, whatever you want to say uh, as like a, a, a metaphor for that. Um, but Butterflies is just this, this piece of art. It is a work of art. It is... Like everything that I could possibly ask for any song in the world to be, and it has done for me on a personal level, something that like, you know, it, it, it can't be expressed, it can't be formulated into words, it's just a feeling that I 
I hope everybody has heard a song before that makes them feel the way butterflies made me feel, and if not, I hope you find it someday. I also just now realized there was no need for me to do that whole nudge, wink, bullshit, because Butterflies was number one in Cindy Kovalik when it dropped, so it's already public information that's going to be on that list in December. And then Change was the last single that I heard in advance of the record, and I talked about it a couple weeks ago, and Change had this really cool and like helpful and necessary music video attached to it that went into just some details about climate change and like how there are different things that we can do to help the future of our planet and things of that nature. And just along with that, like change itself is a really fucking catchy song and everything on this record is catchy. And I want to point that out now. This is one of the catchiest releases I have ever heard in my life. The the amount of just singable moments on this record, it like, like, I'm sure there are some other ones from this year I can think of that match it, but just like off the top of my head in recent memory, recent weeks, this is like the most infectious release that you can come across in the scene. To further establish what I mean by catchiness, the band, they released another single, I think two days before the record dropped. It was Go to Hell, which features uh, Michaela Delgado from Yours Truly. And I didn't hear it when it dropped as a single. I decided I would just go ahead and listen to it as part of the full record. Go to Hell is just this really, really dope and, again, like just catchy, infectious song that I think does a great job at, like, even with the Michaela feature, it does a good job at summarizing everything that Armageddon really is. And then with Michaela's feature, she adds this element to Go to Hell that you can't find anywhere else on this record. It is something that is so unique to the track. And she came in and she absolutely killed her feature spot. She did amazingly. The way that this album opens and closes really shows you, like, you went on a fucking journey when you heard this record. Because the opening song, Please to Meet You, it starts with the line, Please to Meet You, Stranger, Welcome to the Ending. And, like, that kind of gets you in the right frame of mind for Armageddon. And then at the end of the closing track, which is the title track to the record, the outro says, Welcome to the Armageddon. I hope that you enjoyed your stay. It's time to get settled into the bed you've made. And, like, everything in between that is something that just needs to be experienced for yourself. But I, like, God, I'm, I'm trying to think, like, okay, there are records this year that have, like, that incredible sequence of opener and closer, but... The way that Between You and Me did it on Armageddon and how everything that happens from Please to Meet You all the way to the title track makes complete perfect sense. And, you know, I'll go back to what I said about the catchiness. It's there on everything here. Please to Meet You, the opener, just right from the fucking get-go, man. This record just lets you know, like, you are listening to pop punk personified, pop punk at its finest, at its peak. And I just, like, like every time I hear this record, it's as if I'm listening to these songs all over again for the first time, and I just get lost in the moment, and it's this incredible euphoric feeling that, you know, I think I've said this already with this review, but, like, I just can't really put into words, I can't describe it. It's something that is just so, like, within me that, between you and me, are able to pull out from my body. I briefly touched on Goldfish earlier when talking about, like, how that song lyrically has kind of evolved over the last couple of days. 
So, uh, Jake had done a track by track thing for Armageddon on music feeds. And this is the exact quote from him about Goldfish. The oldest track to feature on the album, Goldfish is a diss track about our bad experiences in the music industry. The most pop punk track on the record is certainly a track for our, our older fans. And so, you know, it says right there, it's like a diss track towards their experiences in the music industry. And Jake just outright said last week, like, hey, Goldfish, maybe it means something else now. Fuck Hopeless. And just like the chorus in particular for Goldfish, like you can sense this, like this anger and this revolt from them. Hey, Goldfish, can I write you another? I won't change just to suit your color. Won't let you swim in my head again. You keep taking shit that you don't recall is like the, um, the parenthetical part after that. And like, God, <laughs> the, the balls on this band. Let me say that now. And for them to just not like hold back those punches when it comes to how they feel about hopeless records. And granted, like, you know, we know now that the song can relate to hopeless. We don't necessarily know if it did in the past. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. But now Goldfish is kind of taking on this, its own like new spin, this new life on it. That just makes me all the more appreciative of that track. And I was already so high on Goldfish. The song is a fucking banger. At this point, it has been five days since I listened to Armageddon for the first time. Why did I just blank on the name of the fucking record that I'm praising so highly right now? I, I'm a piece of shit. Y'all couldn't tell. Um, but it's been five days since I heard Armageddon in full for the first time. And after I heard it, I was like, okay, I really, really enjoyed that. And then I went on to listen to the next two records that I'm going to talk about. And then I went back to Armageddon. And like I said earlier, it's like every time I hear this record, I'm like finding new things to love and enjoy and admire about it. And I think that's the testament to like not just a perfect record, but a record that is going to be able to stand the test of time. And I imagine that Armageddon is going to hold up insanely well heading into 2022 and well beyond that point. It is an absolute fucking shame that the promotion for this record was like so minimal and for a lot of people non-existent there were people out there who had no idea this record was coming last friday and what i can only hope is that the people who are riding with with between you and me and are riding with armageddon they or we in this case like do a um an adequate job to get this record out to more listeners and get more people into between you and me because if you miss out on armageddon this year you are missing out on one of the best album experiences you're going to get from any facet of the scene so in conclusion i do look at armageddon as being like the hopefully breakout record for between you and me and now i'm going to get into two bands who they don't really have anything to break out of at this point they've already done that they're well established and you know, at this point, it's just them reminding everybody who the fuck they are. Uh, although maybe for the last record, there's a little bit of like proving ground there, but, um, I stand by my point. With this record, uh, that I'm gonna talk about now, this comes from one of the most well established bands in the scene, and they've been around for a minute now. And, you know, what I said earlier about Silverstein, they just keep going and going and going. And I'm gonna look at the brand new record from, Mayday Parade called What It Means to Fall Apart. This is their seventh 
full-length album, and I have kind of this, like, up-and-down relationship when it comes to the discography for Mayday Parade. I've never disliked anything they've done. Let me say that now. To some extent, I enjoy all of Mayday Parade's catalog. But there are some records that I enjoy substantially more than the others. Uh, in particular, A Lesson in Romantics and Black Lines. Those are the two that I think of immediately whenever I hear the name Mayday Parade. And that is kind of like... Um, so there's eight years between those two releases. A Lesson in Romantics was 2007 and then Black Lines was 2015. So I think that shows like just the the ability for Mayday Parade to adapt to whatever time frame they exist in. And I would say like that is what I can hear on what it means to fall apart. I hear a band that, you know, they do rely pretty heavily on what they've already learned and what they know and what they understand their fan base wants out of them. But they're able to craft these songs in a way that fits the modern era. And I, I really, really enjoy that. I think that is one of the more commendable aspects of this record. So this cycle began back in, I think it was June when Kids of Summer dropped as the lead single. Kids of Summer opens the record and I think it is the best song on what it means to fall apart. It is just so catchy all the way through, and it, it feels like so grounded in everything that I love about Mayday Parade, that really anthemic pop-punk sound. It's just like so... Um, Kids of Summer is littered with all of those sounds that really, really make me nostalgic, but also so appreciative of Mayday Parade in the current setting. The two singles that followed, which were Bad at Love and One for the Rocks and One for the Scary... I think those kind of work in unison with each other and they give this contrast to Kids of Summer in the sense that Kids of Summer was like, just like I said, this anthemic pop punk track, whereas Bad at Love and One for the Rocks, they show off that slower side to, to Mayday Parade and it's a side that I think they execute incredibly well. Um, I definitely prefer One for the Rocks over Bad at Love. I think One for the Rocks, the buildup to the full band coming in towards the end of the track, it really, really makes it stand out and... It is one of the highlights of the album, in my opinion. The fourth single, Golden Days, it's the second track on the record. It comes after Kids of Summer, and I think that works really well because Golden Days shares a lot of what I mentioned about Kids of Summer and the way that it is like this big pop-punk song. It feels very summer-esque, and, you know, I I think that's just kind of what Mayday Parade do all throughout. Um, and I, yeah, I really, really enjoy that song. And then Think of You, it's... It goes back to what I said before about like that slow acoustic side to Mayday Parade. And the song is primarily acoustic. And I, I look at the track listing and I don't really know about it being placed third coming after Kids of Summer and Golden Days. But, you know, it is what it is. It's there. Maybe it disrupts the flow of the record just slightly, in my opinion. But it's not something that I'm going to like crucify the record over. When Mayday Parade like want to take on that pop punk sound that they are so comfortable in they are they're still the band that i think they are when it comes to that sound and you know you look at tracks like uh if my ghosts don't play i don't play and then sideways and then notice what is happening here is it's like an, a nostalgia trip like i said before but it's also just like man they can still do this they're still i don't want to say one of the best bands out there at this sound because i don't necessarily believe if i believe that but if somebody were to tell me like, oh yeah, Mayday Parade still got it, I'd just be like, yeah, I, I can hear it. I will say that 
there's this uh, back-to-back stretch with Heaven and Angels Eye 2. Great songs, let me say that now. Amazing acoustic ballad-esque songs. Um, but on the first listen, I was kind of getting lost at that point. I, I was able to be pulled back in immediately with uh, You Not Me, which is the penultimate song. But there was that moment where I was kind of just like... So, like, I looked at the time on my phone, and that's never what I want to do when I hear a record, but I just, like, kind of had, like, that little hint of, I guess, boredom, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Maybe it's harsh, and I'm really sorry, but, like, that was just what I interpreted as being my reaction to this record in that moment. And then the closing song, I Can't Do This Anymore, you know, it's another slow song, and I totally understand closing the record that way. It, it's a great juxtaposition to Kids of Summer opening the record. Um... I also think, like, uh, 12 songs for this record, given that, like, there's not really a ton of innovation happening here, it feels like a safe play of a Mayday Parade record. You know, maybe two songs could have been taken off, and maybe, like, a 10-track record of this caliber, I would have been just a little bit more receptive of, as opposed to a 12-track album that kind of feels formulaic at times, but... I'm still happy with the finished product. I do enjoy the album. Um, I have not gone back to it nearly as much as Between You and Me and then the record coming up. But I do enjoy it. I do like it. I don't see how anyone who is into May Day Parade could have been let down by what they heard on what it means to fall apart. Um, yeah, it's just a really solid release all around. I enjoyed it and ultimately don't really have many bad things to say about it. I think we're going to get out of here sooner than we normally do, at least over the last few weeks. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, hopefully the shorter runtime lets more people hear it, but you know, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Um, so now we have one record left and I had kind of started to go on that tangent before introducing Mayday Parade about like this band being established and not really having anything to prove, but I kind of take that back just kind of because this is the first record with a very specific vocal dynamic that ended up just working fucking incredibly well and paying dividends for this band in the end. So the album is Happier, the band is Volumes. The last few years of Volume's history have been, um, I guess, ugly would be one way to phrase it. So, uh, the band previously had the vocal dynamic going for them of Mike Terry and Gus Farias, and that that works well, in my opinion. I, I did like it. And then towards the end of 2019, something happened where Gus was just no longer in the band. And there's a quote that comes from him and like a statement that he made about leaving volumes that uh, you can see on the band's Wikipedia page. I'm going to read it now verbatim, or at least like what's available of it. I just want to make it clear that I did not quit. I love being in the band. I got kicked out for personal bullshit, which really is bullshit. I'm going to be the bigger man and not air out business like that. I got a check. I secure my royalties. I'm out. 
And along with that, um, Gus's brother, Diego Farias, was not in the band anymore. He was previously the guitarist. Um, almost like very quickly thereafter, uh, Diego actually passed away. And it, it was just this really, really like dark and brooding time for volumes. And, you know, they had Michael Barr back in the mix and they had the new single out with him called Holy Waller, which didn't end up making happier. But it, it just felt like there's this weird cloud hovering over volumes. And like, I wanted nothing more than for them to be able to just make it out of the other side. The pandemic certainly didn't help like being able to predict what the trajectory of volumes was going to be. Because they dropped the Weighted, which ended up being the lead single for Happier, back in September or October of 2020. There was no activity until almost a complete year later when Get Enough dropped on August 13th. So with the that one-two punch of Weighted and Get Enough, you could understand immediately from listening to those two tracks what the direction of Happier was ultimately going to be. Weighted is like a through-and-through -through metalcore song. It's very you know, just bouncy and it, it, it's constructed with every element that I would, I would expect out of volumes. And then get enough really shows off that dynamic that I've been talking about between, uh, Michael Barr and Mike Terry. And I don't think I appreciated get enough, like, uh, enough, um, no pun intended, uh, back when it dropped, but hearing it in the lead up to happier and then as part of happier, get enough is fucking awesome. I love the song. I love everything that it achieves. I think this proves that Michael Barr and Mike Terry, it, it, it feels like they were meant to coincide with one another. The two singles thereafter, and these came with the actual announcement of Happier as a record for November 19th, Bend and the title track. Bend was this fucking outrageously catchy and bouncy and groovy song that fits into like R&B very very heavily and I love that side of volumes I just absolutely adore it when they're able to take like certain parts of their metalcore nature and put this like you know R&B pop inspired spin on their sound and then the title track happier it does a lot of what I've mentioned about bend it actually closes the record and this is a quote from the band about the lyrical nature of Happier, uh, the title track. Happier is about how you watch someone destroy themselves and ultimately end up in a darker, negative space and feeling like your hands are tied. It's about feeling helpless to the fact that you once knew someone completely different than the person who is standing in front of you. And like no, having that in the back of my mind while I hear the song, it really adds this emotional dimension to the track that like catapults it into the upper echelon of the songs here on Happier. The record's two openers, FBX and Malevolent, they play so heavily to the core, like, gent style of volumes. And I don't really know how to explain gent to anybody who doesn't know what that is. But if you listen to those two songs, you can probably hear what I mentioned when I say, like, that, like, really, like, strange, but um, infectious, like, stop and start motion with the instrumentation. And volumes, I don't want to say, like, they invented Gent, but they do have to be credited for at least being, like, one of the bands that helped popularize that sound. And you can hear that sound very prominently on one of the tracks later on in the record called Man on Fire. 
But then there are so many other songs that have that gent style to them, yet it, it blends in the R&B style to Volume's clean vocals. So with tracks like um, Let's Me Down, See You Again, Into You, Hurt, and Void, like you're getting a side of Volume's that, you know, it's not uncharted. We have heard it before, but we're hearing it executed at a level that feels, at least to me personally, like on a pedestal compared to what they might have been doing on different animals back in 2017. And, um, God, just the way that those songs, like, have this really weird catchiness and vibrancy to them, it's something that, like, I just think. It, it, it's so characteristic of volumes and it's so unique to them. I don't feel like I can go to anybody else in the scene for this particular sound. There's just so much happening on Happier that makes it like a true volumes album. And it's an album that I think people who have already been into volumes can really latch onto. And then newcomers who maybe this is their first time hearing volumes, they're going to get something that is going to blow them away. I, I really feel confident in saying that. And... Like, I don't see how you can hear, um, Happier as a, like, a, an established Volumes fan or somebody who's hearing about them for the first time. I don't see how, how you can hear this project and not just want more and, and crave for more of the absolute fucking magic that is being made in the camp of Volumes. This is an instance of one of the coolest bands out there putting together some of the coolest songs you can hear right now to craft one of the coolest records of 2021. And like, it, it's just this formula that when you let a band like Volumes take control of that, they're going to deliver on every fucking chance that they get. They're going to deliver. And maybe in some cases over deliver. I don't believe I thought I was going to like Happier as much as I do. Just given like, I don't think I've ever believed that a Volumes record had been perfect Yet that's what I feel Happier is. I think Happier is perfect. I love everything about it. Similarly to Armageddon by Between You and Me, every time I revisit Happier, I just feel like I'm hearing something new and something refreshing and energizing. And it really, really makes me appreciate everything that this band put into this record because this is the kind of shit that makes me want to keep doing this platform. You know, if I was coming on here every week talking about releases that I don't give a shit about, I wouldn't be doing this. But when I have bands like Volumes and Between You and Me and then going over the last couple of weeks with like Sea Space Cowboy and uh, Boston Manor, like it, these bands make my job, quote unquote job, it's a hobby, easy. And I just, God, I cannot get enough of, you know, what I've been talking about on this chapter so far. And Volumes, they, they fucking did it. Like, you know, this is, this goes well beyond what I could have asked for out of them. And I feel so lucky and privileged to be able to have a record like Happier in my head and heart from now on. And that's it. That was every single and album that I had to talk about from last week. And, you know, wrapping this chapter up now, y'all, there's one more. There is one more regular weekly episode that is coming next week. And then after that, it, it's going to go right into the top 100 songs and then the top 50 records and this is going to be a really challenging yet hopefully fun and hopefully rewarding time period for me and you know i just hope as many people as possible will go on that journey with me when the time comes in december so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and um let y'all go back to whatever it is they are doing 
Um, if I catch any of you in, in another Twitter moan space, I'm calling the cops. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll go ahead and get out of here now, sign off. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.